You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. As I kind of thought about that this week, you know, I'm kind of reminded, you know, Jesus kind of went into the temple and he saw money changers in there and they're selling in, in, the, in the temple. And you remember what Jesus did? He just goes and he just turns over the table and he just drove those money changers out. I just believe that God is in a place where he wants to start overturning the tables on a fence and just saying to a fence, you gotta go, you gotta get out of here. And I believe that God this morning wants to begin to turn the tables on some of those uh, places of offense maybe where we're kind of walking and we're not, again, aware of the consequences, the effect that that's having as we continue to walk in that offense. One of the books that he had mentioned there in the video is uh, by an author named John Bevere and it's a book called The Bait of Satan. And it's a kind of a book that really speaks to and addresses uh, offense, the havoc, the you know, frustration, the devastation it creates when it's just allowed to run rampant um, inside the church, inside of our lives, again, unchecked. And in the open part of his book, here's what Bevere says. He says, anyone who has trapped animals knows a trap needs one of two things to be successful. It must be hidden in the hope that an animal will stumble upon it, and it must be baited to lure the animal into the trap's deadly jaws. Satan, the enemy of our souls, incorporates both of these same strategies as he lays out his most deceptive and deadly traps. Now, one of the most deceptive and insidious kinds of bait is something every Christian has encountered, and that is offense. Now listen to this, actually offense itself is not deadly if it stays in the trap. But if we pick it up, take it on, consume it, feed on it in our hearts, then we have become offended. Offended people, now hear this, offended people produce much fruit such as hurt, anger, outrage, jealousy, resentment, strife, bitterness, hatred, and envy, just to name a few. Now do you begin to kind of see why why Jesus would want to turn the tables on a fence, why he would want to drive that out of the church? Some of the consequences of picking up an offense or taking on an offense are insults, attacks, wounding, division, separation, broken relationships, betrayal, and backsliding. Often those who are offended do not even realize they're trapped. That's how insidious this is. This is how deceptive this is. Often those who are offended do not even realize they are trapped. They are oblivious to their condition because they are so focused on the wrong that was done to them. They are in denial. The most effective way for the enemy to blind us is to cause us to focus on ourselves. Sound familiar what we talked about this morning, prayed about, Jim? Every one of us, and I'm going to include myself in that, first and foremost, 
can relate to and I can clearly understand what Bevere is saying here because all of us at one time or another, we've been offended. We've been tempted to take on offense. We've, we've been tempted to become offended by what people have said or done to us. And so that's why I think it's important to talk about this this morning because I think there are things that we need to understand as it relates to being offended or taking on offense. And the first thing we need to understand and just be aware of is the opportunity to be offended is always going to be present. It's always gonna be there. There's not ever gonna be a time when the opportunity for you to take offense or to be offended is not gonna be there. Jesus said in Luke 17, one, he said, it is impossible that no offense should come. It's just not possible to, to live in a offense-free zone where you're not gonna be tempted to kind of become offended or to take on offense, it's impossible. And Jesus just says that opportunity to take offense, to be offended, it is always going to be present to everyone throughout our lives from now until the day we die or Jesus comes back. And oftentimes it's going to be multiple times a day you're gonna be given that opportunity to take offense, to become offended. And we just seem to be living in a time in our society where more and more people are either being offensive in what they say or do, or we are taking offense by the actions and or words of other people. And one of the reasons is because we can say some pretty mean and nasty offensive things to others through Facebook, Twitter, and other modes of communication made popular on the internet just because we have the freedom, we kind of have that ability to kind of be hidden away behind a screen, behind a keyboard. We don't have to be face to face with people to be offensive. I mean, you look at the news, the issue of gay marriage, abortion, homosexuality, illegal immigration, gender dysphoria, just to name of the few of the hot button topics currently in our culture. And you and I, we know very, very quickly, those can become very, very contentious, divisive issues because people on both sides of the issue often have very strong and deeply held convictions and opinions regarding those issues. And many of us have been offended and we can be offensive in the way we approach those topics. And I'm saying we don't talk about it, but we have to find ways to talk about it where there is kindness and, and honor and respect given. Again, these issues, they've caused people to leave churches. These have caused denominational splits. People take offense at churches' positions on a wide range of issues. They can be statements that are made by the pastor from the pulpit or other church leaders. They can be comments that are made by other attenders uh, or members of the church. And all of this can and it has led to people just becoming offended and they're leaving the church. And at times it just seems like the church can have this revolving door on it. And at times you just kind of seem somewhat paralyzed by it because there's not a whole lot you can often do about it. And I know I've seen my fair share of that here. 
Many years back, one family had been coming to the church from the very beginning. And one Sunday during the Christmas season, I remember this woman as if it happened yesterday, following the service, she came up to me and she was just going on and on and on about how wonderful the church was, how much her and her family loved it here, how much they were growing uh, together as a family, how they were growing in their walk with the Lord. And she said, you know, as a matter of fact, she said, you know, this, this never ever happened in our family until we started coming to this church. But she said, you know, we go home now, we have lunch together after church as a family. And she says, you know what we talk about now at the dinner? table, your sermon. So we, we never, ever did that at any other church we went to. I, I just want you to know what an impact you're having on my family. Following month, one Sunday morning, I preached a message, and for the life of me, I don't remember exactly what it was about, but there was something that I had said that upset her. It was just one statement. I don't even really remember what it was. I think it had something to do with, I'd used the terminology, um, the frozen chosen, when I was talking about the Lutheran church. And, and I used that in the context that I had been raised in the Lutheran church. I had spent, you know, the first, you know, 18, 20 years of my life in the Lutheran church. I knew something about what it was to be a Lutheran. Um, and, and I just had used that terminology about myself. And they just got so, so, so offended. Um, and they just left the church and never, ever came back. Wouldn't even agree to meet with me to even talk about or try to resolve. Because what I have found out is that when you start running after offended people and you try to bring them back, they're just going to get offended by something else. And then you're going to run after them. And you're going to, and it just, no, it's just let them go. Let them go. And I'm not the only one around here that gets under people's skin. <laughs> and this is pre-Cali, okay? This is pre-Cali here. But I remember one of our, our, our praise teams, just in an effort, you know, to just kind of have some fun. They had one Sunday morning, they did a song um, that kind of had a Southern feel to it. And they decided as a team that they were just going to kind of, you know, wear straw hats and bib overalls. And they were just going to kind of give it a, I, I don't know, maybe you might remember this, Claudia. Um, and, and so they just kind of got up and they just did this song. And it just kind of had a real southern twang, a southern thing going on about it. And I thought it was, you know, it was a little corny, uh, but you know, it was fun and people in the congregation really seemed to be, you know, enjoying it. So um, after the service, this woman and her husband who had been coming to the church for over a year and by all accounts loved the church, was offended by the per perceived portrayal of all Southern people as hicks and hillbillies. And they were offended by that. Now, I did not get that. I did not pick that up um, from the skit or the song. But again, I'm not, you know, from the South. I'm not a hillbilly. Um, so I assured her. I just assured her. I apologized. I said, you know, I can see how it would be tempting to go uh, in that direction. But you know what? I can just assure you there was nothing derogatory. There was nothing, um, you know, in intended uh, by this. Um, and, and I just said, you know, just keep the big picture in mind. You've been coming 
been here for over a year. This was one song in the midst of how many songs have they done over the time that you've been here. This was just one skit. It was just an isolated couple of minutes in the larger life, the larger picture uh, of the church. And so I was just trying to get them, you know, to kind of step back, look at the big picture. Don't just get so focused on this one song, this one moment um, and, and just disregard everything else that you love about the church. It made no difference. That one song, that one skit, they were gone and never came back. Taking offense will do that to you. That's why it's called the bait of Satan. That's why John Bevere wrote a whole book on it. And it's just rampant in the church. People who are easily, repeatedly offended will focus on the one thing, the one percent that is causing them offense, and they will disregard, they'll completely ignore the 99% that is otherwise good and acceptable. As a matter of fact, from my experience, you show me a Christian who is easily and repeatedly offended, and I will show you a spiritually shallow and immature Christian, if a Christian at all. Show me a Christian who is easily repeatedly offended, and I will show you a person who is spiritually shallow and an immature Christian, if a Christian at all. As a matter of fact, when someone makes offensive comments or displays offensive behavior towards you, do you realize it says a whole lot more about them than it does about you? They, not you, are displaying a character weakness. When a person is being offensive, they are displaying a character weakness. When you become offended or you take on offense by what they're doing, you're displaying a character weakness. And oftentimes that can be one of those praise God moments. You know, if Jim does something that, that is offensive, again, it, it reveals something in him that maybe God wants to deal with, to heal, to touch, to get Jim to kind of work through. If it affects me and I become offended, it, it gets a reaction out of me. You know what? God's highlighting in me an area in my life where God needs to probably do some healing, some touching, some work in me. So sometimes when we become offended or we take on it, it's a gift from God. He's trying to show us there's something in here that needs to be dealt with. Pastor and church growth consultant Alan Ratter writes the following in an article he wrote, How to Handle Hurt in the Body of Christ. He said, one thing that you will face in life, and yes, in church, is that sooner or later, someone will offend you. And I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands or, you know, a, a detailed story about that. But, I mean, how many of you have been offended in, in a church by, by other Christians? I mean, I, I think it's safe to say we all have probably had those opportunities, those moments. He says, many Christians will have occasion to be greatly offended by the words and or actions of other Christians. How we handle these offenses has a profound impact on our spiritual advancement and the progress of those around us. All too often, Christians become stuck in a place of woundedness and become dysfunctional members of the body of Christ. Again, John Bevere in his book, The Bait of Satan, says this, our response to an offense often determines our future. 
Again, it's an opportunity to go, to leave, or it's an opportunity to grow, to go deeper, to say, God, there's something in me that needs to be worked on, touched, and healed. So whether we like it or not, whether we want it or not, the opportunity to be offended, to take on offense, is always going to be present even within the church body. Second thing we need to understand regarding offense is we have no, none, zip, zero, nada. Biblical grounds, rights, or permission to be offensive or to take offense or be offended. If you are a Christ follower, I am telling you, I am telling me, you, me, we have no, none, zero, zip, nada. Biblical grounds, rights, or permission to be offensive or to take offense or be offended. Paul says in Colossians 3.12, since God chose you to be the holy people whom he loves, you must, not you might, not maybe, this is a good suggestion you might wanna think about, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Must. You must, not might, not maybe, not I'll think about it, not if it sounds good, let's take a vote on it. No, 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 you must make allowances for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. Regardless of how offensive you've been, no matter how evil your heart is, no matter how evil your actions, your intent is, the Lord forgave you. And our response to that then is, we must forgive others. And Paul says the most important piece of clothing you must wear is what? Love. Love is what binds us all together in perfect harmony. Love is what binds us together in perfect unity. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Scripture makes it, again, abundantly clear that as holy people whom God loves, as Christ followers, as disciples of Jesus, we must clothe ourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This, again, it's not a recommendation. It is a requirement. It is a commandment. Why? People are watching you. People are watching you. You may not realize it. You may not know it. I tell you guys this often. You know, I'll be out, and Janie and I will be out, and someone will come up and say, hi, Pastor Jeff. Janie will look at me and go, who is that? I said, I have no idea. I don't. But they're watching. And oftentimes, I don't know who they are, but they're watching. They're watching me. They're watching you. Your witness is on display. 
Your holiness or your lack thereof, it is on display for all to see. And this holy God, this loving, this gracious, this forgiving God, he has this deeply vested interest in making sure that his people, his children, his sons and daughters who are called by his name are doing a good job of displaying his holiness. People inside the church, people outside the church are watching mine and your holiness. The people who believe in God are watching. The people who don't believe in God are watching. And people who are questioning their belief in the existence of God are watching, examining the ways you walk as one of God's holy people. You see, people who are easily, repeatedly offended, you know what? They walk differently, much differently than people who are clothed in tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. For every one of you who have been parents, or maybe you are currently the parent of a, of a toddler, of a, of a baby, you understand this. A baby walks entirely different when he, she has on a dirty diaper. And he or she even smells different, right? When you are walking around as a Christ follower, all offended, you're going to walk differently and you're going to smell. You must, again, this is not a suggestion, you must make allowances for one another's faults and forgive the person who offends you. How many of you know people who have faults? How many of you are sitting next to someone who has faults? How many of you are married to someone who has faults? One of the reasons we get so easily offended is because we do not make the proper, appropriate allowances for other people's faults, for their mistakes, for their shortcomings. Now, we're gracious towards ourselves. We'll make all kinds of allowances and excuses and reasons for our faults, our failures, our mistakes, our shortcomings. After all, I'm not perfect. And yet when it comes to other people, our standard changes. You know how it manifests itself. Someone will come to me who's been offended by another Christian brother or sister. They'll tell me the whole wretched, gory detail. And they'll usually end the story with something like this. And I thought he, she was a Christian. The problem is most of us expect every Christian, every Christ follower to be perfect everywhere all the time. And in those moments and situations in life when they're not, and we all have them, don't we? But when that happens to us, we're devastated. And again, the problem with that is the only allowance I've made for that person is an allowance for their perfection rather than an allowance for their faults, their failures, and their imperfections. When the only allowance I make 
for you is perfection. I put you way, way, way up high on this pedestal when in reality, you're really down here with the rest of us. And when those faults manifest, when my expectation or I'm looking for perfection from you, but when those mistakes and those faults and those failures, those shortcomings manifest, there is that opportunity to take offense. Now, here's, here's the truth that I learned going through what I went through over a year ago. The greater the gap between my expectations of you and the reality of who you really are, the greater the chances I am going to be offended, hurt, frustrated, and disappointed. See, so, so if, if this is all the gap that I have between my expectation of you and the reality of you, the greater that gap is in, 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 in closing, so if, if, if it's here, the greater that that gap is in, in closing between the, my, my reality, the expectation of you being perfect, the reality that you are not, Do you see what I'm saying? There were people who had me on this pedestal of perfection or, or some pedestal like that. And, and they, they just thought there were certain things that, that I was beyond, that, that you know, were, were never ever gonna be temptations, that were never ever gonna be faults or failures or shortcomings that I would ever experience. So the, the reality that I'm perfect, I'm a perfect pastor, this is a perfect church, we're perfect people. See, when, this is making allowances. Yep. I'm in that process of becoming more and more like Christ. And, and you expect that, you see that, you understand that, you're there. There, there's, there's a lot of room for forgiveness. There's a lot of room for compassion. There's a lot of room for growth. There's a lot of room for grace. There's a lot of room for mercy in that. It's when that gap begins to become more and more and more narrow. All of a sudden, there's not so much room for love, grace, mercy, forgiveness, kindness, compassion, tenderheartedness, because it doesn't work. That's so why Paul says you, you, you gotta make allowances. You gotta give room. Because every one of us in this room, myself included, first and foremost, we have the potential. And there are gonna be times, there are gonna be moments, you're just gonna catch me on a bad day. You're gonna catch me in a weak moment. And I'm gonna say, and I'm gonna do something that later on I'm gonna look back and say that probably wasn't the best, the wisest thing to say or do in that moment. And again, I, and, oh man, we're out of time already. Okay, let's just, let's put, well, we'll pick it up here next week. 
because there's, there's a lot to talk about um, in this. What I want to do this morning is um, what I kind of had planned uh, to do, and we're going we're gonna to kind of talk ab- again about, you know, just what it really means to make allowances for that. You know, because, uh, you know, sometimes we'll read things in the Bible and we'll go, man, that really sounds great. But yet when it comes to doing it, man, that's really sometimes where, where the rubber has to meet the road. That's where it really becomes difficult. You ever, you ever read something in the Bible, you know, love covers a multitude of sin. Oh, doesn't that just sound wonderful? It, isn't that beautiful? Now, I, I love that when that love is covering my sin. But man, it becomes a whole different thing when that love now has to cover your sin as well. It's a different game. It's a game changer. You know, uh, the Bible talks about us bearing one another's burdens, and therefore, Paul says, we fulfill the law of Christ. Oh, bearing one another's burden. Isn't that neat? Isn't that cool? Wouldn't you love to be able to do that? I mean, it sounds good. But oftentimes, we're not good at bearing one another's burdens. You know what we're really good at? Exposing one another's burdens exposing one another's sin when the Bible calls us that that love covers a multitude of sin. The love of God, it covers a multitude of sin. The love uh, that, 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 that we're called to love others with, that love that, that, that God loves us with, that we're called to love others with, it, it, it covers a multitude of sin. And oftentimes that is not our first reaction. We, we're not about bearing. We're not about covering. We are all about talking about gossiping and exposing one another's weaknesses and faults and shortcomings. And again, often that is an indicator more about what's going on in us than what's going on in that person. We're going to kind of pick that up um, next week, and we'll, we'll finish um, this out. Um, so here's what I want to do this morning. I'm just going to ask you to stand. Two things we're going to do this morning. In your bulletin, um, there is, can you put that picture? I think it's the very last one on there. Can you, there, thank you, Lori. Uh, in your bulletin, there is a, a thing like this, and basically it's kind of just in, in the shape of a stop sign, um, and I've got the word offense written across that. Um, and, and on the bottom, um, it just simply says, from this day forward, I choose, I choose, because this is a choice, to not take on offense, or I choose to not be offended. Um, so I'm just going to ask you to take that this morning. Uh, if you want to sign that, date that this morning. If you want to kind of take that, pray about that. Um, I, I'm not sure what you're praying about, but anyway, uh, again, it, it's not a suggestion. Either, either we do it uh, or you're just going to start having a lot of the consequences that John Bevere talks about uh, in his book, The Bait of Satan. So again, uh, we just take, again, that opportunity this morning to really begin to take serious what it really means to be called to be Christ-like all the time to be open to what the Spirit of God is trying to do in us. And, and again, I just believe that, that, that Jesus wants to drive offense out of the church. I think, I think Jesus wants to drive it out of his people because he sees the effect, he sees the fruit of what it's having in the church, and it's not good. And so again, it starts with me, it starts with you, it starts with us as a community, just simply saying, I, we, together, we're, we're just not gonna, we're not gonna do this anymore. I'm not gonna do this anymore. I want to get out of the dirty diapers, and I, 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 want to, 
I want to start walking differently. I want to start smelling differently than when I'm walking in a fence. So that's one thing that you can do this morning. And then as, before we close in worship, I'm just going to ask you to pray with me. Um, I'll just give it, you pray back, um, and we're just going to enter into this, uh, again, the unity in the body of Christ. So I'll, I'll just kind of give it uh, phrase by phrase, ask you, again, if this is your heart, um, it's going to ask you to begin to make a covenant with God this morning that you are really going to take this to heart. You're really going to take this serious. You're really saying to God, God, I, I really don't want to walk in offense. Um, so this is what we're going to do. Is we're just going to pray a prayer of consecration. We're just going to ask God to begin to work this, um, sow this really much deeper and deeper uh, into our hearts. So if you feel led uh, and want to pray this with me, uh, I just ask you to repeat after me. Father God, with the spirit and power of Jesus within me, I covenant with you now to be the holy child of God you created me to be. Father, from this point forward, I renounce the spirit of offense in my life. I cast it off, and it no longer has a hold on me, a hold on my life, or a hold on my relationships. Father, free me from the offenses of others that I have taken on and forgive me for those I have offended. I thank you, Father. You have given me freedom in the name of Jesus to clothe myself in tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and calmness. Help me, Father to make allowances for the faults and imperfections of those around me and to forgive them as you have forgiven me. Let the example of Jesus be the example I strive for and give to me the victory, peace and joy that is mine in Jesus. Amen. You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org.